Jazzcast Pros. Welcome to Healthy Illness Podcast, the podcast that helps you build better relationships, better relationships with you, better relationships with others, better relationships all around. host Kelly Marie and this season season six is all about mindfulness today's episode you know we are talking about mindfulness and I promised you a guest that would come on and talk about my experience with my spine surgery my spinal laminectomy and spinal fusion and uh, someone who advocated for me while I was hospitalized. And that person is Dr. Michelle Swaggart Say. Dr. Michelle is an incredible human being. She is someone that I trust and someone who um, has always had my back and advocated for me. We worked together for several years and became close. And uh, when I was in the hospital, she came to visit me and saw that I needed more help than what I was receiving and advocated on my behalf to make sure that I had everything I needed to heal. And so our schedule is finally linked up and we are able to talk today. Dr. Michelle um, is not just my friend, but um, she is an incredible nurse. She um, is a nurse practitioner, family nurse practitioner. She has been doing this work for over 20 years. She is a nursing instructor. So she is teaching uh, new nurses how to be better nurses and is an advocate all around, both for patients and um, for people living with mental health conditions, for friends and family, right, for employees and staff, for the mental health community. So I'm thankful to have Dr. Michelle here with us. And before we jump into our conversation, if you are new to the podcast or you haven't had an opportunity to, please like, subscribe, share, follow all of the social media things in order to keep our subscriptions up and keep the show moving forward. And so if you are in a crisis situation or you're just having a hard time with things right now and you need someone to talk to, please dial 988 on your phone. If you are um, the friend or loved one of someone who is struggling, um, they may have thoughts of suicide or taking their life. Please dial 988 and you can talk to a trained specialist who is there to help through this tough time. Um, again, it's important for me living with mental health conditions to let you know that you are not alone. Okay. I want to just teach you a quick little something you can take with you on your mindfulness journey. You know, there's this um, misconception that mindfulness is deep or heavy or requires a lot of work. And depending upon where you are on your journey, yeah, that, that can be true. But honestly, mindfulness is just being aware of where you are mentally, where you are in this moment, right? And so one of the ways um, that you can become aware and make change in a moment is if you are feeling anxious or stressed, if you are um, a little overworked and feel that just the anxiety and weight of the present moment, you can focus on your breathing. And it doesn't take a lot. No one has to know you're doing it. All you have to do is exhale longer than you inhale. 
I'm not going to give you any counts. I'm not going to give you a squared box breathe. No techniques that have a fancy name. We'll get there. But for now, all you have to do to slow down just a bit, to give your body um, permission to relax is to exhale longer than you inhale. Exhale longer than you inhale. So if you want to do counts, you can inhale for four and, and exhale for six or eight. You want to make your exhale longer than your inhale. So inhale for a little bit, suck in all the air, and then take your time and exhale. Inhale quickly. Take your time and exhale. Repeat that over and over again. And your body has no choice but to respond. Inhale is shorter than your exhale. Exhale is longer than your inhale. You can practice that. No one has to know what you're doing. You don't have to do any movements. You don't have to have a heavy sigh. Just regular inhaling and exhaling. You're just making sure that your inhale is shorter than your exhale. Let that exhale be longer than your inhale. If you're enjoying this episode, check out High Vibe Table Talks, where we start to remove mental barriers and take action now so you can achieve your someday desires. I'm your host, Mershawn Hargrave, and if you've ever heard that little voice inside to go after something, but the fear around the unknown felt too big, this is the podcast for you. Listen and subscribe to High Vibe Table Talks on the Jazzcast Pros Network with the podcast listener you're using right now, because it is high time you activated your high vibes. All right. So with that, I am excited to to bring Dr. Michelle to you and uh, let me know what you think of our conversation. Thank you for joining the Healthy Illness Podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today, Kelly. This is a long time coming. So you've been a nurse and in a caring profession for how long? Over 25 years. And being a Black woman in healthcare, being a, a person, period, in health and healthcare, were you taught about mental health? You know, this is World Mental Health Day. I know you were taught how to take care of other people, but was taking care of yourself and your mental health ever part of your curriculum? You know, I remember learning about taking Psych 101, Psych 102, you know, learning about mental health and psychology. It wasn't until later on in my career that I started to learn about mindfulness and the importance of mindfulness and self-care. I think when you're in nursing school, you're just on an automatic go, go, go. You're trying to study and take care of your care plans and your patients. And I believe that the nursing curriculums now more so, maybe not the curriculums, but the colleges and universities include self-care and curriculums in one way or another. Advocacy. So when it comes to advocating on behalf of your loved ones, mental health, physical health, um, just across the board, what are some things that family members and loved ones should be aware of? If I'm helping my child or friend through a crisis situation, what are perhaps some things I should be aware of to mention or do for that person to assist them through this experience? 
if someone is in the immediate danger of hurting themselves or hurting someone else, that's a 911 call. You want to make sure that person is safe as soon as possible. And I don't know how to say this, Kelly, because people may take on somebody else's responsibility for their life. Like, I should have done this. I should have done. I could have done. I should have done. And and we got to be very careful with woulda, coulda, shouldas on ourselves. Because sometimes we don't see the signs. You know, sometimes people don't share their signs and symptoms. And so I'm very careful with that because unless somebody's openly expressing how they're feeling, it's hard to say what you should do. But there are some symptoms that you could look for. Like if somebody's hygiene has changed, like if somebody you know is all of a sudden they're disheveled or their hygiene has changed or they're losing weight, um, there are some outside appearances that you could see that may say, hmm, something's not right. Something's not right. Or somebody's not showing up to work. You can do a wellness check on someone. You know, if somebody's hearing voices or, you know, they're responding to things that other people don't see around them. That is something to that, you know, is evident that you can look, not actually look for, but if you see it happening, because you don't want to start looking for stuff. Because mm-hmm. next thing you know, you know, your mind can be playing. T- the mind is right. a beautiful right. thing. That's real. The mind is a beautiful thing. But just to be mindful of and being present in the moment with who you're with. Like I, I could have, be having a conversation with Kelly, but I'm thinking about what am I having, where am I going after I finish talking to Kelly versus focusing on Kelly and being present for Kelly when I'm talking to her. So I can say, wait a second, Kelly, are you in pain? It may not be mental, but Kelly, you, you, your face is showing me that you're uncomfortable. You know, so just being mindful, I would just recommend for people to just be mindful in the moment and be present for who you're around and who you're with and just be mindful for yourself. This is the start of season six is our second episode in season six. And season six is all about mindfulness. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So it's just perfect that you're you're bringing that up. It changes your body's reaction to stress. It changes how you show up for other people just by being mindful, right? By just saying, I'm connected to Michelle right now. All that other stuff is going to be there when our conversation is over. I can't do nothing if I'm thinking about it no way because I'm right here with Michelle. So let me be here and focus. It changes the body and how it responds. So I wish I could remember Rebecca's last name, but she did a mindfulness series at our organization. And one of the examples that she talked about was being mindful, even when you're taking your morning vitamins, like, okay, vitamin, I'm taking you in because you might get downstairs and be like, dang, did I take my vitamins? But if I'm being present, you know, being present, I'll use the example, when I unplug my iron, sometimes it's like a habit, you unplug it and I get downstairs and I'm like, I'm about to leave the door and I'm like, oh, did I unplug the iron? And I'm going back upstairs knowing I, it's just, the mind could just play some tricks on you. But if you stay mindful, like, okay, I'm about to unplug the iron. It's just something simple, but just being mindful in the moment. I'm going to take my medication, being mindful in the moment. So those are just, there's just some things that we can do for ourselves mindfulness is a serious, I don't want to say a task, but it's a serious place to be when you're mindful in your conversations, in your actions. And I'm I'm, I'm excited about your series, Kelly, and I'm just going to have to make sure I take the time to listen so I can learn more because there's always opportunities to learn mm-hmm. more. What was the like aha moment for you 
to start focusing on your mental health? Like, when did you know that was something you needed to do for you? I think I had to learn to take time for myself when I was diagnosed with lupus. It was a very stressful time in my life. I had just lost my aunt and it was so stressful on my body. At that time, I knew I needed to take time out for myself and I knew moving forward, I needed to continue that. And also in my position that I was in at that time at uh, the organization that I work at, I reported to a beautiful woman, her name is Donna and Brown, who believes in self-care. And when she saw that there were times when I was overwhelmed with life or with what were we going through at work, you know, she would say, okay, let's, let's take a moment now, take a break, let's go for a walk. And she really helped show me that it is important to take care of myself before I try to take care of other people. And so sometimes it takes that person, that special person to pull your coattail and say, hey, you know, you're doing a little too much right now. And it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no. Everyone's emergency is not your urgency. Yeah, it it took some time. It took some growing. It took some life bumps in the road to actually put myself first in my own self-care. You know, it's easy to put somebody else before yourself when you're in a a care provider role, when you're a caretaker. It's easy to continue that even when you get out of your role at work. So I still struggle with that from time to time, but I'm better at self-care now than I've ever been before. So what are some things you do? What's your, what's Dr. Michelle's self-care routine like? Years ago, I loved karaoke. I mean, I still love a good karaoke night. But there would be some times where I would just sit in my living room and just sing it out. Like whatever I was feeling, I would just sing, sing, and sing it, all by myself. But here more lately, I've taken up knitting and crocheting. And that alone is therapeutic for me. It helps me to take some time out for myself. I enjoy seeing the outcome. I have taken some mindfulness sessions. I'm learning how to do more nasal breathing. You know, it's just taking time to just take some deep breaths and visioning yourself somewhere where you love and you enjoy and positive affirmations have really helped me. Awesome. So you and I go back a couple couple of years, a day or two, right? <laughs> and I've had similar experiences with Donna Brown. And I think that a lot of people, especially women, especially Black women, don't have someone that holds space for them and pulls their coattails like, look, sit down. You know, you need to take care of you. No, we don't do that no more. You need to then fill in the blank because they know you with the things that are helpful for you to be able to to do to take care of yourself. In what ways do you see that being supported in your personal life? Like, I know for me, there's signs, there's warning signs that, I mean, not like fire alarm warning signs, but just things I know to pay attention to so that it does not become crisis mode to let me know I'm not being mindful or I'm not breathing right. You know, I need to slow down. I need to reevaluate. Have you found some of those things in your life that lets you know, okay, I need to do a little more for me? You know, my family is very, I'm very connected with my family. I'm very spiritual. My pastor, you know, will call me out of the blue and he doesn't even realize what kind of day I'm having. And I'll just say, Lord, thank you for, I call him kisses from God, where he will, he'll show up 
right when I need him, when I didn't even know that I needed him. My relationship with God and my family, and I have a group of girlfriends that we are called the ladybugs. We support each other in, in all areas of our lives. And I know when they're asking me if I'm okay, like, Michelle, are you okay? And I'm like, uh-oh, am I okay? You know, so I do, I have been blessed to have people around me that love me and support me at times when I don't even recognize myself that, you know, I may need to take a break and a pause. Like I said, Donna Brown has been instrumental for me and um, Yannick Carable Jenkins and my current immediate supervisor, Ron Schulerman, who um, is very supportive. He's a social worker, but he has a leadership style that has continued to help me to to grow and, and recognize some things about myself that, you know, I can pump my brakes. You know, he's like, all right, Michelle, pump your brakes. And because sometimes you just get so wound up in things. And when you're dealing with patients and their lives and their traumas, you know, you can get, I won't say overwhelmed, but, you, you know, your your heart is just so, can be so heavy from from your surroundings. And I'm glad that inside of my current position, but in my life, I have been very blessed to have wonderful people that have supported me throughout my years. I'm glad you have them too, because you've been that for me. So towards the end of my time at the corporation, I remember you just coming into my office and saying, no, Kelly, wear, wear your goggles. Like, wait, you need glasses on top. I mean, just little things that are physically helping me, but my mind wasn't even focused on the task at hand, which is living in the midst of a pandemic, like my just all over the place. And, you know, you saying, wait, where, where are you going? No, you need to stay right here or being in the hospital. And I'm like, well, I guess I guess I just have to go home and take care of myself. Then you're like, um, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> just lay right here. I'll be back. And so you've been in a position to let me know I need to slow down and take care of myself and advocate for myself in ways that I would not have done and literally wasn't doing before you said you need to stop and advocate for yourself. And while you figure that out, I'm going to advocate for you because you're not going anywhere. So thank you for loving me. You are so welcome. You've helped so many yourself. I mean, Kelly, that play, I can't remember the name of the play. Oh, that you and girl get your breakthrough. Mm-hmm. This is my story. Yes. With Latricia Empowered to Emerge. Yes, with Latricia Davis. That was amazing. So Kelly, when you you talked about the people around you and support you, and another special person that comes to mind is Pastor Latricia Davis. Mm-hmm. There have been some times um, where I have uh, reached out to her to just get her advice and when I say the Lord uses her and he's used her to help me through some trying times and she's never, you know, sometimes you, you're afraid that people will judge you on the, what you're thinking or how you're feeling. And, um, and I'm very thankful that the Lord has placed her in my life as a person that I can trust and, and talk to. And, you know, along with, you know, I mentioned my, my pastor, Pastor Blackburn, God has placed some people in my life. God has placed some people in my heart. And I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for the impact that she has had on me. She's incredible. And God is intentional. 
Greetings, everyone. My name is Ra. Yes, I am the host of Father Torch. I would like to take this time to invite you in my discussions on very, very important topics of being a black and brown father in today's society. Being a parent, the other parent, we face trials and tribulations too. We have worries, we have feelings. Here at Father Torch, we promote the advocacy of being the dad you wish you had. Join me at fathertorch.com. And sometimes people don't understand when you share your story, because everybody sees Kelly smiling. They see us smiling because we are smiling people, but you don't really know my story. And right now I'm in a point in my life where I am an open book, where there were some experiences that I've had in the past that I may not have shared. But I I realized that the stories of other people around me have helped have helped me along the way of this life journey. And so you setting an example for other women, other people to share their stories is impact it has impacted others' mental health, whether you realize it or not. It has impacted others that are around you. No, I don't. I mean, and that's okay. But thank you. You're welcome. All right. I don't have a question right now. Okay. Well, I will share, you know, because it is World Mental Health Day. And the theme for today is Our Minds, Our Rights. And on the World Mental Health um, website, it says good mental health is vital to our overall health and well-being. Yet one in eight people globally are living with mental health conditions, which can impact their physical health, their well-being, how they connect with others, and their livelihood. Mental health conditions are also affecting an increasing number of adolescents and young people. Having a mental health condition should never be a reason to deprive a person of their human rights or to exclude them from decisions about their own health care. So your mental health can impact every area of your life. And, and I thank God, you know, that right now at this time, in this moment, that I am mentally okay. Because things in life happen so quickly. And we're all one trauma away. We are one trauma away. And that's why it's important to practice self-care, mindfulness. What are your coping skills when things happen in life? What are you doing to take care of yourself? So when things happen in life, you're able to do your best to deal with them. And are you comfortable with saying, I am not okay and I need help? I need help. And you know, here in this area, we do have the help center which is located at 462 Grider Street. It is open from 8 a.m. to midnight to help you. If you need someone to talk to, you need to talk something out, you may need a counselor. There's also crisis mental health services that's available 24 hours a day. And so I have people dial 988 because no matter where they are, they'll get their local crisis services. And so when people dial 988 here, it goes right to crisis services. And so it is okay to to ask for help. It is okay to say that I am not okay. And that right there is the first step. Just to recognize within yourself before somebody else recognizes it. It's wonderful insight that you can have for yourself. And to be able to catch it before it becomes so unmanageable. I'm in the, the midst of a rediagnosis. The way my therapist put it, and it, it kind of made me laugh when that kind of did bust out laughing when she said it. 
She was like, in the middle of a crisis, I mean, anyone can appear to have borderline personality disorder or bipolar disorder, or you're in the midst of chaos. And so who you are on a day-to-day basis is not necessarily going to be reflected in the midst of a crisis. And so to have a diagnosis based on your crisis versus your long-term positioning and conditioning and life and experiences and responses are two different scenarios. And so now that I'm in this place of normalcy, what does my mental health look like and and where do I fit and what are the issues that I have that are more severe that look like perhaps something else when in crisis mode? So it's interesting to be in this part of the journey, but to be okay and saying that, you know, I I identified with this diagnosis for so long but it helped me. I'd talk to folks a lot and and they don't want a diagnosis. They don't want to know the name of the thing that it could be. And if you don't want a diagnosis, you don't have to have one, right? But, but where are you in your journey and what tools can you use to assist you? So learning about mindfulness with one hat on, I might not have ever learned about mindfulness and meditation and you know, all of those tools if I didn't have the diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. And so I'm thankful, regardless of the diagnosis, that I was able to have the tools, was able to have therapy, was able to, you know, be in a position to get help, regardless of what the name was. And I would love for you to just speak to being a health professional and what a diagnosis can mean to someone who is also a health professional, just a a professional in general, where mental health, having a diagnosis may hinder you from being able to do the thing that you love. That makes sense. I think the the day and age that we're in, and and Kelly, I've seen it on both sides of things. There are people that do not go to their primary care providers because whatever's going on in their bodies, they don't want to know about it. So I see it on both sides. I see it on the physical and mental side of things. But we have disease, you know, there's screen, disease screening, disease prevention. Now, when you do go to the your primary care provider, they are asking you about depression and anxiety because we can, before even getting a diagnosis, we can see, okay, is there something going on just currently an event in your life that's causing stressors, that's causing your depression or anxiety? Or is this something mentally that's happening that we can start to, you know, start with counseling, the least invasive, you know, you start with counseling and therapy. And then if medication is needed, you know, we can, as providers, we can help to help you cope with whatever is going on to our best ability. And that's also in the physical, that's what screening is for, for colon cancer, for breast cancer. There's the screening is just to help to say, okay, is this coming? Do you have it or not? And so it's the same thing with mental health. We're trying to get ahead of that so that we can help you if you're pre-diagnostic or if you have family history of a diagnosis. It's to help you continue to do what you love doing. And it's to help you to, you know, before you even start to do the things that you love, to help just to build you as a whole person. We can't ignore your mental health because that's a part of your whole being. And so as providers, you know, we want to to do whatever we can to help our to support our patients. What are some steps that people can take to begin to address their mental health? Overall, talk with your primary care providers. Talk with your primary care providers. And if you don't have one, 
seek a primary care provider. A lot of employ employers have systems in place for their employees, employee assistant programs, the human resources office, the health office, where you're getting your physical exams. And if you're not employed, there are places like the help center, there's crisis services that have systems in place to help you with your mental health. But definitely talk with your primary care providers and be open and honest. You know, be honest about how you're feeling. You know, we have been working on the stigma of mental health you know, for years, but I feel like the day is coming, you know, where there's not that stigma with mental health, where it is okay to talk about your mental health. I mean, years ago in the household, you did not talk about, you know, how you were feeling or, you know, your parents was like, you do this because I say so, you know, it's like, okay. <laughs> but now you can talk of these kids are talking about feelings, you know, how they're feeling. You know, COVID did a number. COVID did a number on our children and our adolescents where they were home you know, I don't want to use the word isolated because I don't know what everybody's home looks like, but I lived alone, I lived alone on the second half of this COVID. And, you know, it did, it did a number on our communities. And so we are seeing a rise in adolescent mental health and it may have already been there, but now it's more, it's more talked about in, in homes. And so young people, a lot of schools have school counselors, mental health therapists, um, on-site teachers are generally safe spaces. EAP, most employers have EAP programs, and those are confidential and free. So no one will know when you call who you are, you know, the person that you are talking to. Usually EAP is a company that's paid by your employer, so they're not even in your directory. You know, they're not employees of your organization. And then the crisis helpline, 988 friends and family, like you mentioned, your pastor. So faith leaders are also a great place to go. Yes. And if you're a college student, your college and universities have resources in, in place for you as well. I commend Niagara University's nursing program hired their, their own counselor for their nursing students. So the colleges and universities want to support their students as well. And I've seen a greater shift in colleges and universities in school. So mostly, you know, Universities that didn't have schools, instead of having the overarching student success, student retention or like health center, they now have professionals within the school, within the departments that students can talk to because no group is a monolith, right? And so an engineering student may have, you know, similar life things going on, but the demands of an engineering student are going to be different than the demands of a nursing student, different than the demands of an education student. And so being able to have a professional that understands the curriculum and understand what that student is going through is is really helpful. I can imagine it being helpful. I did not have that. They didn't have that then. <laughs> we did have, okay. we did have a center at it was Duval College at the time, and we did have a, a a counseling center. We did we did. Did you have one? We had so we had one when I was at Stony Brook. There was one for Stony Brook University, but there wasn't. I was also only there for a year because I got pregnant and came home. So we're not going to count Stony Brook in that experience. I don't know what Stony Brook had, but I, I did. They had like groups and things like that. So I do remember going to those and then being at Kenesha's. Kenesha's had, you know, and still has the health center. And for me, I actually, because I was a professional, 
you know, with the real job and benefits and left my professional job to go to Kenesha's full time, became a full time grad student. So I had to use Kenesha's health benefits in order to be able to still get therapy. That was the first time I went to CPAP. So I didn't know. We were trying to figure out how to get me medication because I no longer have regular health insurance and uh, we didn't qualify. Our family, you know, that borderline family, we made too much as a household for Medicaid, but we couldn't afford family health insurance through the employer's health insurance for my ex-husband. And the counselor was so sweet. So she found out all about CPAP and their emergency medication program. And neither one of us knew the whole process though. And so when I went, they immediately took me back. I was so excited, like, oh, wow, I don't have to sit here and wait. I didn't know they were taking me back to CPEP to lock me in CPEP. So like they closed the door and locked it. I was like, oh, wait, what? What's happening here? So understanding the process and what's going to happen, I think is instrumental in being able to receive assistance because had I been in a different headspace, that might have created, you know, a crisis episode because I wasn't expecting to be locked in a space where I could not leave. But thankfully, you know, that did not happen. It, it, you know, that was a non-issue for me. But I think having, you know, opportunities like this where people can talk about their experiences and be able to get to learn about what happens when you go so that they're prepared when they go will help, you know, with the the healing process. And we are trying to, we're, we're in the process of advertising our hours for the Help Center for cases where you may not need to necessarily be in a psychiatric emergency room and you just may need some resources um, just to help you through a rough time and then help you get connections to the community. That's why we've extended the hours of the Help Center for cases that you speak of because not necessarily everyone needs the psychiatric emergency room, but they do need help. And and need it not three months from now. And so full right. disclosure, like that was more than 20 years ago, right? So life is different now. Rules have changed. A lot of programs have changed. There are places like the Help Center where you can see someone that day for assistance and it be, you know, a, a doctor's appointment. So I don't want anybody thinking that that's what life is is still like out here in these streets. Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Kelly. The host of Getting Real with Bossy, the real, raw, and honest podcast about small business ownership. We created Bossy to be a safe place to ask the hard questions and to get support that's necessary. With our experience, nine businesses in over 25 years, we continue to bear it all and share what we wish we had known. We move past the must-be-nices and start getting real. Come along as we interview small business owners and get the true story. Leave with another tool for the next time you feel alone on this journey. Business ownership leads to unexpected knowledge. What are you an expert at? Tell us at Getting Real with Bossy and subscribe today. I just finished with Brown University's level of the training. And one of the things that I picked up, because I was saying to myself, you know, I want, I should, you know, and had to cut, cut that out of my vocabulary. But I did want to be able to spend 45 minutes a day on mindfulness. And so while I was in the classes, I did my homework, you know, I made sure I I did that part of it. But one of the things that I picked up, because I also told myself, I want to pick up something I'm going to keep, like, what am I going to stick with? And so one of the things that I still do is brushing my teeth, mindfulness. So my toothbrush has the two minute, like you press the button and, you know, so every morning 
I'm mindful. I'll be the first one to tell you. I will go to bed without brushing my teeth. I know you're not supposed to, but in the morning, uh, like for sure, I'm brushing my teeth in the morning. You're not leaving the house so without brushing on teeth. Right. <laughs> and so that has been a part of my routine. And to just be mindful, like what does a toothbrush feel like? What does it feel like on my gums? What does it feel uh-huh. like in the places where I'm missing teeth? Where does it uh-huh. feel like, you know, what does it feel like on my tongue? What does it feel like on the inside of my gums, outside of my gums? Just, oh, the toothpaste, it, it tastes a little extra sugary today. And then my mind would be like, well, why is there sugar in toothpaste? You know, they really shouldn't have sugar, but like, oh, wait, no, bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. What do the bristles feel like? Yes, Kelly. So that's been my my big takeaway. All lots of takeaways, but that's been the big one is my my two minutes of mindfulness every morning. And I've enjoyed that practice and just knowing that that it's there cuz you know, I wake up and I'm ready to go. Like, oh, it okay. Thank you very much for giving me another day. Use me how you want to use me. I got everything. You know, let me check my email real quick. Let me do let me let me let me let me Take my two minutes of mindfulness and it helps me reset before everything, you know, kind of gets wild and un- unruly. Any closing thoughts? Yes, thank you, Kelly, for keeping uh, mental health and healthy illness in the forefront of all of our lives. You have been a positive example of what being transparent can do for people and do for our community. So I just wanted to take this opportunity to just say thank you for what you have been doing and just keep up the good work, keep up God's work and may God continue to bless and keep you and may his light forever shine upon you, Kelly. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. (sighs) I'm dealing with being able to accept positive statements and stuff. It's not easy. It's not. So you have just spent the last couple minutes with me and Coach Michelle. I love you. Thank you so much for being here. Just a a recap on life and on our mindfulness exercise. If you are stressed out, if you are a little anxious, if you are having a, you know, you just need to take a minute for you. Being mindful is recognizing that, you know, where you are in this moment. And then one of the things you can do to help your body respond and to relax is to do a breathing exercise where you simply make your exhale longer than your inhale. So you inhale, and if you want to use a count, you can inhale for two, exhale for four, or exhale for six. You just want your inhale to be shorter than your exhale. Your inhale should be shorter than your exhale. Your exhale should be longer than your inhale. So inhale, exhale, And you can repeat that over and over again until you receive some relief. Until the next time, I encourage you always, you know, to be the light. If you are looking for services, please dial 211 or go to 211 in your browser. The United Way has a nationwide program to assist you in finding resources for you and your family, wherever you are. And if you are in need of someone to talk to right now, 
you can dial 988. There are trained folks that are there to um, help you through your current situation. If you're experiencing a crisis, please head to your nearest emergency room or dial 911 and let them know that you are having a mental health crisis. Until the next time, I encourage you to be the light, not just for you, but for someone else. You never know where you're going to meet someone and what their life is going to be like in the moment that you meet. So next week, more mindfulness on this season six of the Healthy Illness Podcast. Until the next time, thank you so much for listening. Like, subscribe, share, you know, let people know you're listening. Send it to your friends and family if you think they could benefit from it. 